Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To Extra Life. I'm Keza McDonald. I'm Ellie Gibson. And this is the video game podcast for people who have at some point played a video. It's still not good, is it's it? It's not. At least mine. So mine, mine is the podcast people who like video games. At least that's enthusiastic. That's excited. I, that's know, I, just... feel, I feel like we're not we're not iterating in the right direction. But anyway, yeah. uh, today our guest is Mr. Charlie Brooker. Hello, Hello, Charlie Brooker. Hi, Charlie, who's of course best known for his stint writing for now defunct PC magazine, PC Zone. That's right. That's yeah. uh, that is that is what I'm. Weirdly, this is like a humble brag, but uh, I, I won an Emmy, right? And and as they as they, as just drop it down for thirty seconds. Just sounds like a brag. I've gone in full brag. <laughs> thirty but as seconds. I was walking up to the stage. Apparently, I didn't see the broadcast because I was in it. But apparently, they said Brooker is known for uh, writing an oink comic in uh, 1986. <laughs> Um, well, they'd obviously just gone to Wikipedia and were reading it out like live on air. I think I was an unexpected win. But you have uh, done some other stuff yes. as well, right? Yeah. Apart from writing for a comic and writing about video games in PCs over the nineties. Yeah, but we can just talk about awards if you like. You know, yeah. Sorry, I, that really. No, no. <laughs> Any other awards you'd like to mention? Well, that's it. I went straight in on that. <laughs> Keza and I have. We... Well, you know what? I didn't deserve it. Yeah. Um, well, oh, that makes it better. If you win it but don't deserve it, that's, that's acceptable in British culture. <laughs> Kezra and yeah. I have both won Video Games Journalist of the Year oh, at the Games yeah. Media Awards, so I think you'll find that Trump's... Uh, I think two of those equals one Emmy, doesn't it? Yeah, Kezra, I won the I? Journalist Journalist Award at the Games Media. I won the Token Woman Award Excellent. at the Games yeah. Media I think I got a few of those as well. It's, it's, well, it's now definitely you're the same. all just showing off. Yeah. This is yeah. just a disgusting boasting. Definitely this is how the little they expected a woman to win it, was that in the goodie bag was this voucher for like a, a son Salon, a beauty salon and I was like oh, that's exciting so I rang them up for an appointment and they were like so do you want just the beard trim or and I was like what and they were like this is a barber's this is a men's barber's and I was like can you do me legs they were like no so uh, yeah what a waste. do you get a goodie bag when you win an Emmy do you get rock band or something they have these sort of gifting things that oh, you yeah. can go to in like the hotels where you go and turn up and they'll give you all sorts of goodies yeah like you know I don't know probably a car I don't, I don't know <laughs> Video games. So PC Zone, writing for PC Zone, your most notable yes. achievement, uh, obviously, Charlie. But your proudest yes. achievement, would you say? Well, it's certainly up there. 
isn't it? Um, that was my first writing job. I'd done comic strips and stuff before, and I thought I thought you had to be qualified to to review computer games. It's really uh, no. weird. Even I, like I got that job because I'd done sort of comic strip adverts for the Computer Exchange, which is now CEX. And the, the editor of PC Zone had seen them and sent one of the writers in to the shop um, to ask who did the comic strips. And um, and I was supposed to do a comic strip for them. And I befriended David McCandless, who's who's one of their writers. Uh, and, and he said, why don't you uh, why don't you write a review? And I was like, oh, I'm not. Oh, I don't. I, I don't have the qualifications. I don't. <laughs> um, I don't know what I thought the qualifications <laughs> were. Do you think there's some sort of Hogwarts run by Shigeru Miyamoto or something where people go to learn <laughs> to critique children's toys? Charlie, what have you been playing lately? Lately, I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima, ah, which yes. I love. That's a, um, a very, very detailed homage to Japanese samurai films. That's not the bit I like. Yeah. <laughs> the bit I like is the... Well, actually, I like the repetition of it. I like the loop. I am a fan of Far Cry-style games where you get into a very repetitive loop where you're sort of approaching an enemy camp and sneaking in and killing everyone one by one. I think it must say terrible things about me. <laughs> but I enjoy that. I've been playing that. And I've been playing Return of the Obra Din again because I played it the first time and then now I've, I'm, I'm persuading Connie to watch me play it because she you... couldn't be, she's too lazy to use the controls. <laughs> Are you familiar so with Return of the Obra Din, Ellie? Isn't it? Is that the black and white one? with the? Is it the puzzly one? Black and white murder mystery on Tetris. a ship. <laughs> Come on, before she kicks off. Here, let me help you. What madness is this? Have you played it? Yes. I've not played it. You no. must Ellie have played has not. It. Yeah, it's, it's a black and white murder mystery on a ship, basically. No. Ellie, if you haven't played it, why? What? Listen. Why? Why haven't because, you played it? Because it I quite tell you angry what, that you haven't played. Lucas, it's because, at the moment. Because I'm you played it. Because I'm tits deep in heyday. I've got wheat to harvest. I've got carrot cakes to make. I've got diamonds to mine. She's got and a duck I've pond. Got make, I've got to smelt some stuff in my smelter. Oh, boo hoo! Why don't you just get this? Why don't you get this game, which is one of the time. best games I've ever played? Why don't you just time. download it and play it? It's true, oh. truly it incredible. Hard. Can you explain for, for Ellie's benefit? Yes, you, it is. It is the black and white puzzly one if you want to <laughs> reduce it to that why do you um, play a game looks like photocopies it's a, it's a detective game it's one of the few you 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 go on board a a, a ship as as <sighs> rocked up <laughs> in falmouth in like 1805 and it's a bit Marie celeste it's completely deserted apart from some dead people mm -hmm. and your job is to go in um and find out how everyone on board died and identify them you're like an insurance agent which sounds incredibly boring um but you've got a sort of magic stopwatch that can take you back to the to the freeze frame moment at which somebody died you bastards may take exactly what i give you and you're sort of wandering around inside a, like a 3D snapshot and you have to piece together information. It's a bit, it's like a big detective game meets like logic problems. Did you ever do logic problems? <laughs> She's looking so grid? thrilled. Like doing, to be fair, you I'm are making really it so thrilling. It, thrilling. <laughs> trust me, it's very, very, very interesting what it manages is to it? do it's, in terms of it? It's one of those games narrative. that it makes you feel like a total genius. When yes. you, figure, you know how most games are like, hey, dumbass. I get that from Heyday, mate. I'm, my, my bar is very low. My bar is very low. But also, 
it looks all black and white and arty, isn't it? It looked like I say, it looks like it should be incredibly boring, but it, it it's it's really, really good. I mean you really have made good. it sound so thrilling. So I've been playing that and I've been emulating lots of things on a little I got a little it's like a handheld gaming laptop. Have you seen right. one of these? No. It's like small. I could I could run and get it, but that's not very podcasty. <laughs> no, no. Not very visual. You can emulate loads and loads of systems on it. But you pay, obviously you pay the you can... pay the royalties to all the publishers, Charlie. Presume you keep a notebook of you just write down. Uh, yes, uh, yep. obviously I do that. Yep, I don't. Yep. I'm not one of these people who would just go and download like the no intro ROMs set of everything that <laughs> you know from yes. Internet Archive. No, and also you, you did at um, one point own all of those games in the past. So it's, it's completely yes, legal to own a copy. Play, I only emulate it. things that I developed myself. <laughs> um, yes. Like all of us. And, and that's quite interesting. And also watching my kids play the Mario 3D All-Stars thing has been a good... So I've had a lot of nostalgia oh, recently. Yeah. Do kids like Super Mario 64 now? Well, this is what you'd think. You'd think they wouldn't, hmm. but they do, or at least mine do. And they don't oddly seem to differentiate i sort of look at it and go oh that camera's rubbish it's, oh, it's so annoying but they don't really care they've noticed it's in 4.3 um so it's not widescreen and they sort of said so when did you play that is it that old how old is it is it that they couldn't believe it was what 20 23 Three, years old 23 24 years old yeah yeah but again let's look at their standards these children they're going oh what are mummy and daddy playing that that's exciting oh it's a game that looks like a fax by that standard <laughs> mario 64 whatever it is 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 a thrilling cutting-edge contemporary adventure isn't it you know what doesn't look good really is playstation one games mm. don't look very good because it, that was around that era where everything went 3d no matter what it was it had to be in 3d even if it was like tetris or something and a lot of those games games i think now a lot of the playstation one games look particularly awful or maybe that's just the moment we're in and in about five years time that'll look really cool yeah all those hexagonal steering wheels and yeah (laughs) what what for you then was the golden age of gaming charlie was it that pc era or was it the the mario's i mean it's weird in that for me the, the 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 era i always remember is actually one where most of the games are nowadays or borderline unplayable i mean <laughs> so so in in my head i think the first magical sort of gaming experience i had was seeing arcade machines in the local swimming pool not in the pool obviously <laughs> that would be a hazard um and you're talking like i'm so old you are you are talking about original space invaders and a game i think was called circus um it was like an atari game it was like breakout and you had these two guys with a with a seesaw and it was one of those ones that was so old that the, the screen was monochrome they just you just have colored stickers over it you know translucent sort of colored stripes that made the row of balloons you were popping look like they were multicolored and and i remember thinking then that was it was fascinating that you could alter you could control what was happening on a television which was a television being something i was obsessed by so in my head i think i'm constantly trying to chase that high as it, <laughs> as it were even though if you go back now and look at those games they're sort of unplayable um, i have a theory about this i feel like there are certain games that you played when you were a kid that gave you some kind of massive dopamine hit right and basically all i'm doing now is trying to find that again mm. i'm just searching oh, yeah. through all the games trying to find that one that can that can give me that dopamine hit again but it's never going to happen and i should just accept it oh, what a waste of a life Kevin. <laughs> i think that i didn't 
actively really lose myself in and enjoy games for many years until sort of probably a bit later. So so I played a lot of Spectrum games back in the day. That was that was sort of my computer was the the Sinclair ZX Spectrum. But most of the games were quite fiddly and and not that enjoyable. And mm. I think I sort of liked the idea of them existing and the fact that you could control a character, make walk left and right. I enjoyed that more than the game itself often if you see what I mean so like something like Manic Miner actually is really difficult I probably rarely made it past like level two but I liked the idea of it I mean having having obviously worked in TV and games Charlie do you think that one of them is superior to the other or I mean is that isn't that not something we should even worry about really I don't think it's worth worrying about in that I think they're so different they're such different Things. I mean, oddly, I mean, it's weird. So, yeah, so I did um, Bandersnatch, which was an homage in many ways <laughs> to the Spectrum days. I mean, I say in many ways, I mean, it was explicitly an homage to the ZX Spectrum days. Um, and it was, there was a, it was an interactive episode of, of Black Mirror that we, that we did for Netflix. And that involved, that was my first experience of like, creating a game basically but it's a very very simple one that's running on like the netflix platform essentially and there's so many headaches involved in that and there's so many forms of learning curve you go on doing that that's that's the closest i've come to sort of marrying the two things together and really i take very different things from games that i do from tv so i'll sort of like anyone else was you know spend the few hours of consciousness you have after the children have gone to bed <laughs> while one of you is nodding off you will be sort of watching through a, a series on a streaming platform like one by one and then usually what happens is when my wife falls asleep i'll then creep upstairs into the loft and play a computer game for hours <laughs> and i probably play games to relax or to forget the world and forget what I, where I am and what I'm doing more than I do TV. I certainly play a lot more games than I watch films. I couldn't. It's weird. I could not be asked to sit down and watch a fucking film. Oh god, um, no. I have that issue. Don't, you, as well. don't you think? Oh god, how long is it? Yeah, I um, always have two that. Hours? I mean, halfway oh. through, you're like, oh, can we just stop? Should we just watch the rest of this tomorrow? We went yeah. to see Endgame at the cinema. Oh era. god, no, just, don't we, do we, that. I don't know. We had this I've been, idea. Been that, trying you know, to watch yeah. the Marvel films with my kids, and and most of them are too long. Yeah, we got as them. far as uh, Ant Man, I think, and then yes. they, after about an hour, they were like, well, this is just Paul Rudd being alternately cute and frightened because i thought ant-man was the perfect length it was like an hour and 30 minutes or so and and the kids really enjoyed it but then i tried to watch show them the first avengers film and it like it i think it took three days and and we were grimly what literally three different sittings because they could not sit through the whole fucking thing and then by the end we were it was like eat your greens we've got to watch the end of this <laughs> whenever I'm watching a Marvel movie I just think I wish I was playing this I'd be having more fun if I were playing this I just wish this was a game this would be a really fun game mm. Yeah. why do people complain about like the, that thing when, when people sort of profess to be mystified as to why someone would want to watch somebody play Minecraft for hours on YouTube and then you go and watch a Marvel film at the cinema you're watching <laughs> Captain America just smash everything up for hours what's he doing what's, I'd prefer it if like there was somebody in the bottom right corner going Whoa! <laughs> really smashed that building up. Look at that. That would be much. All films should have a YouTuber in the bottom right. Do you replay games, Charlie? Like I know some people who are like, "Oh yeah, just just had another quick go at The Witcher 3. and I'm like, "No, no." Okay, apart from so, Return of the Obra Dinn, I have been going back through, but that's because um, I I wanted Connie to enjoy it as well. <laughs> but usually, that is very much not the norm. 
I mean, I've played the first level of lots of things many times. Mm, yeah. You're talking about old arcade games, which were punishingly, like, incredibly difficult and had a vested interest in being unpleasant and difficult because they wanted you to pump more money in. Other than that, I don't think, I, I don't think I've completed many games. I don't think, I've, I've probably completed about 10% of any, if that, I, I would say, but usually because I move on or I drift away or I lose interest. I'm not a completist. I'm not one of those people. I think people who have to go back and 100% something mm. are insane. <laughs> like what is that to me is somebody who's not got enough fear of their own mortality. So our eldest who is eight now, is obsessed with, has always been obsessed with games. And it was my fault because I remember handing him an Xbox controller. He must have been about two and um, trying to get him to play Trials Fusion because you can sort of just press the accelerator and the brake. And so he's played lots of things since then. And I showed him Jet Set Willy on a Spectrum emulator on a phone and he sort of had a go on that. He's played a lot of the Mario games. He played Mario Odyssey. And obviously in that... There's that whole sort of there's a there's a dynamic in that where you jump onto the walls and it turns into an eight bit sort of game and so in his head there's very little distinction I think with those things here and he's and Mario Maker as well has got a lot of that vintage stuff sort of mixed into it I haven't needed to encourage them to play anything because they're constantly trying to sort of play everything it's interesting at the moment they've been trying to they've started just playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, like the remastered Tony Hawk's, which I find endearing because they kept Tony Hawk and co. They made them the age they are now, and they're about (laughs) the age I am now. So there's something really poignant about watching these, like, slightly gone-to-seed people falling off. And I swear they take longer to get up when they fall (laughs) off now, and they're a bit, oh, 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 my life. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I was trying to get them to play Street Fighter the other day. They were not interested because they don't particularly like competitive games. But but they're into violence. Hang on. What's the point of having more than one child if you can't pit them against each other? I know. (laughs) So they've been playing a lot of Minecraft Dungeons, which is cooperative and things like that. They like human fall flat and things like that. But no, you most of the time aren't they're telling me about something. They'll have watched Dan TDM play something. There's so many YouTube stars that I now unwillingly know the names of. Today is all about the old school with the Retro Game Challenge. Now the game of choice is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater which came out in 1999 
on the PS1. I will defend Dan TDM. He seems I will like defend, one of the good ones. I think like most people, it's true to form, I think when I first sort of stumbled across them watching a YouTuber, I walked in and went, what's this rubbish you're watching? <laughs> why are you watching this rubbish? And why aren't you watching something like the young ones on like <laughs> iPlayer? Why or don't you why go outside? Why aren't you watching an episode of Monty Python or something decent? Why Crossroads at the very idiot? least is part of your history. And then I sort yeah. of thought, oh, actually, he's he's all right, this bloke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I quite like him. And he tends to play a lot of sort of weird little get like that getting over it game, which is a sort of Oh, Bennett Foddy. Get he he makes yeah. games um that are about so the first one he made was a, a a game it was a running track and field kind of running game, except you controlled the thighs and calves with Q W O and P. Oh, I like and it. Even getting over the start line is, is a is an achievement in this game. Like yeah. just control, and you can't even just by the legs. your lighter on the buttons. Like in <laughs> no, it doesn't the work that way. Oh, it's disappointing. And then getting over it is um you're you're a little topless dude in a cauldron and you've got a pickaxe and you have to try and climb a mountain. Oh. And uh, the thing that makes it both infuriating and fun is that Bennett Foddy himself is narrating over it like Starting over is harder than starting up. If you're not ready for that, like if you've already had a bad day, then what you're about to go through might be too much. I believe in you as you're like trying to get this dude in a cauldron up the mountain. Well, that sounds quite motivating. That sounds like good life lessons there. What were the nice le- lessons we got? You know, <laughs> well, if you're a girl, you're going to be kidnapped and put in a castle by a dragon. <laughs> Once every year, and then your violence will solve all your problems. Brilliant. Well, now hang on a minute. You see, now they're hang on a minute. Now I believe you are describing Mario. Correct. I don't believe Mario was a thing. Maybe, of course, everyone's younger than me. I think that the original Super Mario Brothers. I believe there's a lot of revisionist history about that in the UK. <laughs> I don't believe that the original Super Mario Brothers was at all popular in Britain when it first came you out. You know what? It wasn't. So the, this is all. This is revisionist. I don't think anyone played it. it. They didn't. Like Nintendo was not really a thing in the UK until the SNES in 1992. Wait, I very clearly remember Duck Hunt. I, I never had it, obviously. But no, I very you don't. Clearly remember. <laughs> you don't You're remember. It. No, it's been put in your head by Edge magazine <laughs> and by <laughs> the mainstream <laughs> fake news media as, as put. <laughs> this into your head it's like it's some weird video gamey version of like the mandela effect i wouldn't be surprised if those games were never released anywhere in the world it's a lie i was what i was going to say was that i like the fact there's these weird quirky indie games now like getting over it or untitled goose game that remind me of the spectrum games that were sort of weird little homebrew sort of comedy games made by misfits in their in their homes yeah and often like one person's idea which obviously getting over it is as well Here's Matthew Smith. Matthew, how on earth do you come to write a programme like Manic Manic? I do shut myself away for a while. I think it's going to get to a stage where one person can't write a whole game. Yeah, and that's what we were trying to hark back to in Bandersnatch. We were sort of like, we were trying to sort of talk about sort of that side of things. And I feel like the emphasis on in video game history is on, the, you know, Super Mario Brothers 1, which is a brilliant game. I don't think I ever, the only place I ever saw that was in a box, I think, in a WH Smith, locked behind glass because it was so expensive. <laughs> but, and I don't think anyone had them in Britain. This is a bug, but my partner is 48 years old. Yeah. He mm-hmm. has this exact problem. He's like, look, this great video game crash they're always talking about. In less than a year, it went from a golden age to its darkest hour. It was really the d- demise of the business, and we unfortunately didn't see it coming. It didn't happen outside of America. We were all very happily playing Commodores and Spectrums and stuff. Mm. It was booming when in America, you know, the Atari crash was happening. And apparently Mario came along and saved video games. 
it didn't happen in the UK. People just didn't have it. So I believe you, Charlie. I think you're probably correct. And it did not happen in the UK at all. My memory is that the first Nintendo machine that really made an impact in Britain, I think, was the Game Boy. Because I had a Game Boy. And that was the first time I played a Mario game with Super Mario Land yeah, on the Game Boy. Yeah, that was pre-SNES, wasn't it? Um, it was late 80s. And that's, you're talking about the years when there would be like rave singles where they just sampled like the sound from any computer game of the early 90s yeah, and released yeah. them. Mm-hmm. There was a rave version of the Tetris theme and a rave version of the theme from Super Mario Land. Seriously, claiming that no child in Britain had a Nintendo Entertainment System. I'm not that's, claiming that's your that claim. no child in Britain had a Nintendo <laughs> Entertainment System. Like what what I am claiming, I think, with a degree of authority, <laughs> is uh, at least I'm going to try and project a, a, an air of authority. Is that very, very few people had one because I think they were very expensive and there were much cheaper things. You could get like an Amstrad or an Amiga or a Spectrum still at that point or a Commodore 64. The games cost, you know, five ninety nine or something, or you'd get a C90 tape full of, you know, 20 games off your friend. Things like the NES were on sale, but the, the games were about 30 quid each, which I think then, you know, it was sort of the cost of a holiday <laughs> yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know a single person who had an NES, put it that way. And I, I knew Well, then everyone. that's a fact then, isn't it? It's a fact then. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> I don't it. see it. Sold. Therefore, it doesn't exist. Britain. Where do games fit in your sort of life for you now, Charlie? Is, is it like, are they like silly children's toys? Is it this guilty pleasure playing in the loft? My wife's asleep. Suspect the way you say. It. No, there um there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not either playing one or tinkering about with something to do with them. Have you done that thing where you built an arcade machine? Yes. Okay. I didn't build it though. I mean I got one and oh yeah, I mean I spend ages configuring things and, and then never play them. Um setting up emulators and like more time curating. And I and, and I realised that I do that in a way that's exactly like I used to sort of laugh at the notion of middle-aged men with a model railway in their loft when mm. I was a kid. It was like, why? why you're a grown man. What's wrong with you? Why have you, you idiot? What's wrong, you weirdo? <laughs> and now I've realised that that's exactly what I do. Yes, I got a sort of I got an arcade cabinet and a. And I'm always fiddling about with emulating this old system or that old system. And I spend all my time doing that rather than actually playing them, I guess, probably <laughs> in, in, in much detail. In, in the same way that the guy building the model railway in his loft is obsessing over what the trees look like and having the right gauge for his track or whatever, rather than going, choo-choo, I'm a train, which is what you're <laughs> meant to do with a railway set. To sit there going, choo-choo. So it's neither... I'm an engine driver. It's neither sort of... <laughs> Childish diversion or guilty pleasure, it's a midlife crisis. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> it is it's absolutely 100% is a midlife crisis. I think it's the fulfillment of a childhood fantasy, isn't it? It's like, mm, yeah. wow, now I'm a grown up. I can have the arcade machine in my house and no one can stop me. And not only that, it won't just play Space Invaders, it will play 
everything, including games I don't care about or love in <laughs> any way. Games that um, don't even work properly. Games like are literally everything. unplayable. But it's a huge nostalgia because I, I, so I used to work at CEX back in the 90s, just before I was doing PC Zone. Part of my job was to know the value of every game on every system. Choo Choo Rocket original box. Oh, Choo Choo Rocket's a good game. I'm, um, I'm going to need, I, I'm the, sure I'm gonna need a, a number. Sure a, What's the trade-in value? The, it must be, the, it's probably an algorithm does it now. I was hoping you would um, still have the muscle memory because I used to, when I was 16, I worked in Sainsbury's on the checkout and you know like for the fruit and veg you have to sometimes they don't have a barcode so you'd have to type in a number they each had a code my party trick for a while was remembering all the codes so I'd be at a party so, so, go, so good at parties yeah, so I'd go watermelon and I'd go 5862 genuinely amazing <laughs> yeah. at parties is Ellie can't do it anymore that's, that's, that sounds like an affliction more than a skill <laughs> I do still if I see certain the covers of certain games I'm like oh god we had loads of them and I still have if I have to untangle a drawer full of cables and leads I get like instant sort of like flashbacks Just we've fine. all got that box of yeah, long yeah. forgotten cables and leads that surely surely we'll never need again until we get rid of them in which case we'll need them three days later I and then you'll actually... be ordering it off Amazon that like three and times it'll cost price. 87 pounds <laughs> do you ever miss the CEX days do you ever think oh it was a happier simpler time when all that to do, do was untangle cables miss the aroma the distinctive aroma of a CEX <laughs> yes <laughs> not really I mean no it was fun although I used to that was I used to chain smoke that was when you could smoke indoors and I used to chain smoke there was a period just after that when I was freelance and I was doing working for PC Zone that was probably one of the more carefree chunks of life I can think of because I had no responsibilities and my job involved playing computer games and then writing about them. And you'd write, um, you know, like five page features on some abstract. Ga- so so because it was you're often writing about something abstract without any real character in it. You were ending up. You you just. It was a good. It was a school for writing nonsense, and so that was one of the things. Yeah, that was fill up your work. Code. Really good fun about it. I remember seeing. It must have been like a beta or something like that of Doom. That's one of those moments you remember. I remember going into the office there. PC Zone was in the basement, and somebody went, "Look at this." And it was like a beta of Doom. And I couldn't believe, it was one of those moments when you can't believe what you're seeing. It was like, but that looks real. <laughs> but the, the camera, it looks like it's bobbing up and down because it had that slight sort of, I think it was just the weapon would sway. Oh my God, it looks like you're really there. And I think Doom was the most atmospheric. Elite was, was you could lose yourself in Elite, but Doom was a sort of whole mood you could lose yourself in. Um, I, I was baffled by people's love for Elite, the space game where you fly around and trade meteors. I don't know. Yeah, and it just looks like it's been drawn with a pin. How yeah, dare yeah, you it, be <laughs> so dismissive <laughs> of it? Literally looks at, like... At, at the time, <laughs> that was... <laughs> That was that was now that was a spectrum. You could get a, a not great port of of elite on the spectrum, but that really did feel. That was the first time I can remember playing a game where it really felt like you were in a living universe, even though it can't have done. Will you become one of the elite, the space combatiers, set apart by their total mastery of the spaceways? Like No Man's Sky. Um, which is another yeah. space game that uses very clever math to generate basically the whole universe and all the different planets with all the different weird animals on them. It's it's very, very impressive. And Elite mm. kind of managed to do that apart from in like yeah, one-dimensional one yeah. graphics. It's actually with a biro. This is your ship, a Cobra-class fighter trader, fast and highly manoeuvrable, but for the moment, only lightly armed. 
I can appreciate it's an impressive bit of math, but it, I just feel don't like don't patronise us, Keza. It's such a stretch to like because isn't there a thing that because at the time, obviously, when you're playing Sentinel, the Sentinel was a game that was also amazing on the spectrum. And if you try and play it now, it will seem like dog shit. <laughs> but it was an amazing abstract paranoid game. I can't even really describe it where you were avoiding the gaze of this omni-powerful sentinel thing that lived up on on a hill like an eye to of move around to absorb trees and rocks so it doesn't make any sense it sounds like i've just hit my head on something but, um, <laughs> but at the time because the mechanics of it and because the graphics were so primitive your brain had to fill in all the other details and so with elite your brain was filling in so many details that 99% of what i was experiencing must have just been a projection from my own head in the same way that you know those sort of very basic ai programs they had eliza type things where it go hello what's your name and you go charlie and it go hello charlie how are you feeling today? And you'd go, sad. And you'd go, why are you feeling sad, Charlie? And like quite quickly you think, oh, I'm, I'm talking to a real person here. This is the best conversation I've ever had in my life. It's, it's because your brain is filling in all those gaps. So isn't it just that back then you had no choice? You were getting enough overload stimulus mm. from the rudimentary graphics you were seeing and you were sort of filling in the rest. Whereas now to try and go back and yeah. Put your brain I in that like state basic, is almost impossible, surely. Basically, every game made before about 1992 only really exists in the minds of everyone who played them. Like, yes. Yeah. The local navigation chart shows a clearer view of the planets in your immediate vicinity. One of the most important factors affecting your trade route will be the political situation of the planet. A greenhorn trader will not have sufficient combat experience to penetrate the swarms of pirates that surround Anarchist planets. Charlie, um, you must be mm -hmm. a bit bored of people saying, "Oh, what's going on in the world today? It's like living in an episode of Black Mirror." How, how do you, how does games fit into that? Are you using games as a way of escaping what's going on, or are you just taking notes every day for future episodes? I probably am just you. Well, um, I do quite often draw inspiration. And that sounds wanky, but that is, I suppose, what it is from games. So we did it. We did an episode called San Junipero, which was partly actually Grand Theft Auto's Vice City in a way, which was like an open world game set in the 80s was sort of what I was thinking about. And I'd seen a documentary about a treatment for people with dementia that that was nostalgia based treatment. And so those sort of thoughts went together. And quite often we've done episodes where. There's clearly the USS Callister, which was a Star Trek episode we did, which was which was very sort of no man's sky, essentially. The brilliant thing about that is it means if, if I play a game, I'm both it's both escapism and I can class it as research <laughs> uh, and work. But I have been playing a lot of games. It's been interesting recently because everyone's obviously been in lockdown that there is something quite moving sometimes. If you play, so I played like the new Microsoft Flight Simulator that's got the whole world in it. But there was something quite moving, weirdly, about jumping into there. And it says, you can fly anywhere in the world. And suddenly you're like, oh, God, I, I can't at the moment. This is the only <laughs> way I can do that. So I've been doing bits of that. I think, Kezra, I think you, did you write a thing about, I played Lonely Mountains. Is it Lonely, Lonely Mountains Mountain Downhill? Downhill? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yes, yes. It's a, it's a mountain biking game where, and it's just. Oh, it, I was hoping it was a reboot of Horace Goes Skiing. I'd rather play that, <laughs> honestly. 
it's got the, the same vibe as Horace Goes Skiing. It has. That you, it's, it's, you're hurtling down it's a It's quite hill. unforgiving. Yeah. I mean, it could be. It could almost be part of that Horace Goes Skiing <laughs> universe. But the, the thing um, about that, canon. but the thing about it that that for some reason made it really stick with me this year is that it just really makes me miss nature. There's this bit at the top of the mountain where you're just sitting there, and there's a moment of perfect stillness. You just hear the birds and the wind moving through the leaves before you kind of kick off and start down the mountain, and it actually makes me quite emotional playing. You it know, now. you can still go outside because you're just being fucking lazy. <laughs> Well, you know what you should be playing for nostalgia value is like Dead Rising yeah. or something where you're going through a oh, huge God. crowd of people. None of whom are wearing masks. Not one. Do at the moment. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they need to add a hug button to every multiplayer game. I feel like that would go down well at this point. Well, it depends if Isn't playing online. Isn't the one in Fall Guys almost? There's a grab yeah, button. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's nearly button. a hug button. Everyone calls that the cuddle button. <laughs> Uh, sure, I tell you what, I think our special guest has just arrived, Keza. Do you oh, want me to go and already? Collect from reception. Yeah, yeah, yeah go he's, on then. He's here. Your Excellent. special guest? Yeah. It's a special guest for you, Charlie. I'll, 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 I'll nip out and get them. Keza can explain. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so, yeah, Charlie, sorry to spring this on you, but we do we do have an extra person just, just dropping in for a little bit. They're very important, so it's important that we uh, treat this with the seriousness that it deserves. Yeah, hello, come on in. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, is that Charlie Brooker, the Emmy Award-winning PC Zone journalist? <laughs> I, I, am I supposed to respond to this person? <laughs> yes, it is. Basically, Who the hell are you? My name is Steve Activision, and on this podcast, Kelly and Ezra, whatever their names are, they invite a top video games executive onto the podcast. Anyway, here I am. It's me, Steve Activision. Now, this is your chance, <laughs> Charlie. Um, let's be honest. You've only won the one, Emmy. You've not really made a great success of your life. I'm going to let you pitch your video game idea to me, Steve Activision. Okay, Mr. Activision, <laughs> sir. Um, yeah, like this is Dragon's Den all of a sudden. Basically. That's right, so but with video games. you've stolen the format, Steve Activision. You've stolen the format look, from Dragon's Den. That's what you've look, done. Look, they're running out of ideas. They've done a lot of Call of Duties. If you're going to start having a go at Activision for not having original ideas, we could be here all day, Charlie. Uh, well, I would like... I'm, you see, lots of games that, that, that I'd like to do. One was I wanted to do a game which was like a tech detox weekend. You put a VR headset on and um, it's... You know when people sort of go to a go to stay in a cabin in the woods and they throw their phone away and and everything and do nothing and no, no technology. Sure, um, it's that, but as a game. Right, I'm I'm just a guess here, Charlie Brooker. But do you have children by any chance? <laughs> I I do. <laughs> do yes. you? What a shocker! Yeah, just just had a feeling. Strange, like just the had a ultimate strange. fantasy is to sit and do nothing whatsoever for an extended. Well, period you know of time. what? Maybe that would be a. Could you? Is there a game you could use a VR headset that it could detect where your children are and make them? Well, you wouldn't really. It'd be bad if it turned them into enemies, wouldn't it? <laughs> this sounds <laughs> like an episode of one of your television programs. Maybe just NPCs. Because um, I did. I was once wearing a like an Oculus Quest headset, and it was about one o'clock in the morning, and I was on my own downstairs, and I was playing something or other. And one of our kids, unbeknownst to me, had woken up in the middle of the night and came oh. downstairs and just grabbed my leg. <laughs> in the middle of it, it was one of the most terrifying <laughs> moments of my life. I probably kicked them across the room. Okay. Uh, but no, so yeah, so so uh, does that count as a game, Mr. Activision? Does, does like it have a, a title? Thing where basically, the aim is to do literally nothing and not uh, succumb to any technology whatsoever. Um, it needs a snappy title, obviously. How about uh, Charlie Brooker's Luddite Void? I think you need to emphasize this, the betterment, the wellnessness 
of it all. Shouldn't it be Gwyneth Paltrow's? <laughs> For starters, take my name off it. Uh, it can't you afford actually, Gwyneth Paltrow. sell some, but Gwyneth Paltrow's Tech Detox <laughs> Vaginal <super> Steam. <laughs> like I'd use the cover from Daily Thompson's Decathlon on the Spectrum or something and just like stick her face on it. Do you think if walk- I could afford Gwyneth Paltrow, I'd be talking to you? Mr. Activision. <laughs> yes. Have some respect. Listen, no, all right, I like the, I tell you what, Charlie, I like the idea, but it has got to fit in the Activision port Portfolio, so we're going to go with it, but we're going to call it Call of Duty again. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm up for that. How much money do you need to make this game? Well, very little, actually, mm. because it, there's like very little involved in it. You're sitting in a small cabin. Maybe there'd be a fireplace. That's it. Are VR games built by somebody with like magic gloves on, like in <laughs> Minority Report? Like, and they put like pixel bricks together and like build a Oh, a clearly house. you've been to our games factory. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> I know what I should have pitched you. We start yeah, again. All right. I'm going to pitch something else. Here's what I want to pitch. It's a fitness game where you're digging a well. You're digging a well <laughs> in a in an impoverished village in the third world. Okay. Right? You're digging a well and you're building a school and you have to, in VR, you're physically doing it. It will take as long as it actually would to do it. And at the end, all these people come up and tell you you're a brilliant person. All these locals with tears in their eyes come and thank you and you get loads of points and nothing has actually improved in the real world outside. But you have had a real workout because you've been digging, you've been digging trenches, you've been building a school. You could stand there and teach these children who aren't there. Um... <laughs> It'd be brilliant. So you'd feel, you'd get a real good glow. Okay. So it's a workout for your body and soul. All right. Charlie, Charlie Brooker's Charlie, Gap Year. I was going to say, Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Brooker's Gap Year Simulator. Okay, you've got a deal. Right. Now, if you'd excuse me, I've got to be getting on my plane back to Texas. Um, sure, Steve. <laughs> sure. That's, that's great. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to go now, uh, Charlie Brooker. <laughs> Thanks very much for your, your pitches. Take it easy, mate. All right, Steve. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, Mr. Activision. Bye! But bye. So, so appreciate you making time, as ever. Oh, hi, mate. Oh. I just saw um, Steve Activision leaving. Uh, yes. I've got, I've got a manoeuvre, Steve. I'm not sure how impressed Steve Activision was, was by our ideas this time, but he did, he did go for it in the did end. Did he go for it? Yeah. He yeah. certainly sounded impressed, but then I suppose that's part of his job, isn't it? <laughs> is of, to just sound of, impressed. Part of probably the voice. like that all the time. Sorry to hear you've got terminal illness. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. This coronavirus is uh, not great. It's bonkers, isn't it? I'm having a terrible, <laughs> terrible time. <laughs> so it's time for the quickfire round. Uh, this is the round. It was pretty self-explanatory, to be honest. I don't know if you're familiar with the genre, Charlie, of the quickfire round. We ask you a series of quickfire questions. You give us an answer and then we judge you as a human based on what, what you've how, said. When did this become a game show all of a sudden? This isn't what you told me this was. Listen. What, what the hell? What's, what's next? The obstacle course? What? Come on then. Tedious. Sorry, I'm, I'm, you're really I'm, holding up the quickfire round. the quickfire nature yes, of it by rambling. Slow burn round at this bloody rate. Right. Quickfire round. Okay, go, go, right. Street fighter or a virtua fighter? Oh, street fighter. Easy. Two. Sonic or Mario? Oh, not this again. Yes, no, it matters to me, Keza. I, just, I don't really need to debate it. I just want an answer. Mario. Sonic was good, but again, I only ever played like the Green Hill Zone level probably over and over again, really. I'm afraid that's mm. incorrect. Mage or wizard? Oh, I, I can't fucking bear either of them. <laughs> What's the difference between a mage and a fucking wizard? What, what are you talking about? What I meant to ask you, Charlie, was in fact warrior or wizard? 
Oh, probably be the warrior because it's filled. Oh no, well the wizard can snipe from the back with a staff, probably. Warrior or strong fighter? Oh no, that's right, that would be a stupid question. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, sniper or shotgun? Oh, sniper. I love sniping games. I love them. I really, really enjoy them to a degree that's really unhealthy, clearly <laughs> psychologically damaging. You ever played Sniper Elite where you get to watch the bullet go in very slow motion through the skull? You know, I can beat that. <laughs> I'm in Sniper Elite. You know, I'm, I'm in <laughs> the really? DLC for Sniper Elite 3. You, I'm guarding Hitler oh, in it. Wow. And you can shoot me and you get hilariously, unbeknownst to me, you get a bonus if you blow my balls off. <laughs> Which I didn't realize. Wow. I mean, yes, screw the I, Emmy. This I'm, is clearly I'm, the that's what he, this is, guarding this is, Hitler when this they scan actually, me in. This is what he got the Emmy for. Oh, he I likes see. to pretend yeah. it's for television, but it's actually, actually it was having your balls blown off in Sniper yes. Elite. Brilliant. Uh, video mm. games, art, or stupid children's <laughs> toy? <laughs> no, we're not doing that one. Next. Space. No, 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 let the man answer. Let him speak. So that sort of neither. There. Yeah. I'll be contrarian. Neither. Fuck your question. <laughs> Space Invaders or Pac-Man? Oh, ooh. Space Invaders, is, well, that's very different. Space Invaders has got a nice desolate tone to it, although it's not as desolate as Asteroids. So Pac-Man. Pac-Man is a game you can still play today and it's still very diverting. Mm. All right, but final one. Uh, invert the Y-axis, yes or no? Oh, God, yes. Anyone who doesn't is a shit. Oh, my right? God. And I, I think I you'll find... I, I, I'm fed up with this. I had this... I've had this debate with people <laughs> people who don't invert their y-axis are outing themselves as hopeless flipping little johnny come lately don't really know what they're doing little f- fucking worms basics unlike, is what unlike you're people saying who do invite the, the y-axis who as you've just proved are psychopaths true yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely well no i just i just think like i that. just i'm fed up with people being mystified as to why anyone would do it you couldn't invert the y-axis <laughs> in the first release of Fall Guys for the PlayStation. Unacceptable. Why not have that as an option? Like, why make it unplayable? Well, it was, it was like made me? entirely by normal people, Charlie. That's yeah, the issue. Not psychopaths. But it's good that this is what you're angry about in 2020 with yeah. Trump, the coronavirus, Brexit. This is what has really got you burning. I'm sorry, but I can't control all of the above, but I can go into an <laughs> options menu and invert the Y-axis. Trust me, if I, there was a menu I could go into to stop the coronavirus <laughs> and Trump and all the other stuff happening, I'd just tick that. Box. No one's found the toggle. I do it in a, in a heartbeat. I don't mind admitting it. Oh well, there we go. I mean, what 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 a roller coaster we've been on. We did an article about inverting the y-axis on the Guardian last year, and I work on the arts desk at the Guardian, so they were completely mystified by this as a concept for a feature. I'm like, no, no. It was the most read thing of that <laughs> month on the whole arts desk. <laughs> was this article about whether white people invert the y-axis? Well, there you are, you see. So it is a hot-button issue. Oh, clearly. Which perhaps we should have a referendum about it. Perhaps. Yeah, but it's always your neck, isn't it? It's like, it's 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 that it's to do because the right stick is oh, your Jesus. neck. Up is up. Is up. Your up, is up. up is up. Up is up. Down is down. insane. When is up, not up. Your neck. Insane. When is up, not up. When you're Charlie Brooker, apparently. What's so hard for you to understand? This is why Connie makes you play the games in the loft, isn't it? This is... She we likes played to Portal play on and I insisted she inverted the y axis when she was like and she and I got her I I I I taught her to do it. Um, I make my own children play with the y axis inverted if there's a if oh there's my, a Oh my god, he's passing on the, the perversion to the next generation cool. well, the Otherwise I won't be able to play games when I'm 80 because they'll <laughs> re- re- remove it as an option. Uh. 
Well, look, um, now that we've wound you up for the rest of the day, we do need to end the podcast. That's oh, true, yes. At some point. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you're you're no, going no. to love this bit, Charlie. Um, so, um... so we couldn't think of a way to sign off the podcast. And obviously, as is always suggested at some point, whenever you're doing something about games that has to end, someone suggested that we end the podcast by saying game over, which obviously Kezra and I can't do because no. that makes us actually want to jump out of the window. Um, so what we've decided instead is to make the guest say it, Charlie. Is that something you'd be willing to do? What? what? But when was the last time any game said game over? Well, Apart from like Resident Evil said game over, didn't it? Like, I mean, we can cut. We can just use that. that in, yeah. yeah, if you refuse to do this, we'll just use that. That's fine. Well, I didn't, but you, I refuse to give you permission to use my trade. <laughs> Okay, um, I tell you what. Why don't I just call Steam Activision back and, on, t- and tell them about your emulators? When does anything say game over? It only ever says All right. says game over Look. in old films in the eighties. It would like a game. It would be a robot. It's game over. The best, the best game over noise is Pac Man's. Is that? That's the best noise. It's a good one. It's a good. Films noise. should end like that. Books should end with that noise. <laughs> game over. Thanks, girls. You've been listening to Extra Life with me, Steve Activision. This has been Extra Life. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Extra Life Pod. Extra Life with Ellie Gibson and Kazza McDonald. Produced by Joel Marks. Assistant producer, Alex Hart. Music by Wayne Shepard. Extra Life is a great big owl production for Audi. Hello, it's me, Barry Nintendo. Just to let you know, Extra Life Podcast is taking a little bit of a break until the 6th of January. Do tune in then. Bye, guys. Okay, thanks. Bye. We've had some complaints from the various video game executives featured on this show, um, and we'd like to just make absolutely clear that uh, Ellie's voices do not represent the actual views of uh, any of the corporations mentioned. Oh, spoil sport. (laughs) 